For the sermon this evening, we will be considering the Old Testament lesson from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, and it's on page 131 of the Pew Bible. In this Old Testament lesson, Moses reminds Israel what their God has given them, and he instructs them then to bless the Lord. So please stand for the reading of the scripture. From Deuteronomy 8, we begin reading at verse 1. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these forty years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your hearts, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Thanksgiving. A day set aside to give thanks for all the things that are important to us. Things like pumpkin pie, pecan pie, apple pie, Dutch apple pie, caramel apple pie. <laughs> Can you tell my wife was baking pie last night? But of course, there's more than just pie. There's turkey and potatoes and corn and stuffing and various kinds of hot dishes and lefsa. And we give thanks for all these things by uh, stuffing ourselves into a food coma, because that's the American way. But wait, there's more. We also give thanks for football and Black Friday deals and, oh yes, for family too. Some of these things are more important than others, uh, but we give thanks for all good things. We do this because we remember that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of Lights. So we give thanks to the God who is the giver of all good things. Thanksgiving must be a difficult holiday for atheists. Not that it causes more pain or emptiness than, than usual, but that it must be really difficult to figure out who to give thanks to. Because two things are necessary in order to give thanks. First, you must have something good. That is, you must have something worth giving thanks for. And 
Second, you must have someone to give thanks to. In order to give thanks, you must have a gift and a giver. Without a giver, the gifts are not gifts. They are either something you earned or something that just fell into your lap by random chance. So without someone to give thanks to, Thanksgiving becomes nothing more than a time to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. So maybe you find lots of different people to say thank you to for various different things. But if that's all it is, then so many of the bigger things end up getting left out. You might thank the various people in your life for the various things that they have done for you in the last year, and this, of course, is good. We should all do this. But who would you give thanks to for giving these special people to you? They had to come from somewhere. And you can't give thanks for your job or your paycheck or your house or the food in the refrigerator when you think that those things were earned. And you can't give thanks for good weather or your health or the air in your lungs if you believe those things just came about by random chance. In order to give thanks, we have to have a giver. So I suppose Thanksgiving must be a difficult holiday for atheists. But it's not so much easier for Christians, really, because most of the time we live like practical atheists. Here's what I mean. If you ask a Christian if there is a God, we will say yes. And if you ask us who that God is, hopefully we will have the presence of mind to say God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We confess God with our mouths, but most of the time we act like there is no God. And I don't just mean that we deny him with our actions. Certainly, when we disobey his commandments, we deny God with our actions. But even in the basic way that we live, we usually act like God does not exist. I'll give you an example. When someone asks you where you got those cool lightsaber chopsticks, you say, oh, I got them on coolstuff.com. And that may be true. But we usually don't confess the ultimate reality, which is, they're a gift from God, just like every good thing I have. And everyone knows that a loaf of bread comes from the grocery store, and most people realize that there are bakers and millers and farmers and all sorts of other people involved in the process of getting it to the grocery store. But how much thought do we give to the ultimate reality? Do we recognize the one who is really behind it all? That loaf of bread along with the Peter peanut butter and jelly that turned it into a delightful lunch, is a gift from God. And so we have table prayers, which are intended to remind us that even our most basic needs are met by our Heavenly Father. But as soon as we say, Amen, we usually forget it. That is, if the table prayer was ever anything more than just formality. And when you look at your paycheck, do you think to yourself, I earned this? Or do you think every last penny of this is a gift from God? When you look at your house, your car, your clothes, your Legos, and the food in your refrigerator, do you think that's mine? Or do you think that's a gift from God? 
at least most of the time, we operate with the mindset that that's mine. And we use these things as if they truly belong to us and as if we have the right to do with them whatever we want. And then how many things do we simply take for granted? When was the last time you thanked God for the air that you breathe? Probably not with every breath, right? And when was the last time you thanked God for the law of gravity? It's a very good thing that we don't just float off into space. But you probably don't live in a constant state of thankfulness uh, to the one who wrote the laws of nature. If anyone has a thankless job, at least relative to the number of things he does for us on a constant basis, it would be God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. If you want to know if you should thank God for something, simply ask, is it good? And if the answer is yes, then you are duty-bound to give thanks to God for it. But we don't. Most things just slip by unnoticed. So Thanksgiving comes along to wake us up from our practical atheism. We are reminded that every good thing comes from God, and we ought to give thanks to Him. So I could go on and on lamenting how ungrateful we are and how we should do better. But let's do something else. Let's talk about the good gifts we have been given. That is what Moses did in Deuteronomy 8. At the end of our reading, he said, You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But before he commanded them to be thankful, he recounted for them the mighty works God had done to give them this good land, to preserve them through their desert wanderings. He reminds them of the manna, that miracle bread that mysteriously appeared on the desert ground six out of seven days. For a short time, God let them hunger, but he did not let them starve. He let them hunger so they would know to be thankful for this gift of bread. And he did this so they would know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The manna was a good gift in and of itself, but even more so, it pointed to something greater, to God's word. Then Moses reminded them that their clothing did not wear out. Now imagine spending 40 years in the desert wearing the same clothes, but they never wear out. That is what God did for them. And not only did their clothes not wear out, their feet didn't wear out either. God preserved them against all odds, so they would know that he had been good to them. God did disciplined them in the wilderness, but it was not so much a punishment for their disobedience. There was plenty of disobedience, and any punishment would have been just, but the discipline was for the purpose of instruction, teaching them that every good gift is from God. And now they were about to go in and take possession of a good and fruitful land with houses already built for them, and God wants them to know that just as he had given them everything in the wilderness, this 
good land and everything in it will also be a gift. And even today, you and I, we stand in a similar place. We journey through this desert of life, but we are waiting and looking for something better. But even as we journey through this desert, we look around and realize there are so many good gifts God has given to us. If you want to know if something is a gift from God, simply ask, is it good? And then you have your answer. So here's your homework for Thanksgiving. Make a list. It can be a, a, a mental list or you can write it out. Make a list of everything you can think of that is good. Everything from gravity to apple pie to salvation in Jesus Christ. It can include the air you breathe, furnaces, padded pews, remote car starters, Legos, the letter A, the number four, ballpoint pens, your Bible, your parents, your children, your friends, your job, and anything else you can think of that is good, including the volumes and volumes of notebooks it would take to write it all down. And look around any random room, and whatever you fix your eyes on, ask yourself, is that thing good? And if it is, thank God for it. Now, this Thanksgiving, as some of us look around, our minds might be filled with something other than Thanksgiving. Our minds might be filled with grief. Instead of thinking purely of what we have, we might also think of what we no longer have. When you look at an empty chair, you may not be thankful for the good gift of the chair. Instead, you may be filled with grief over the person who isn't there to fill the chair. And this may be the first holiday without that person, or it may be the fifth one. However long it's been, the person is still missing. This reminds us the greatest gifts we have to be thankful for have not even been experienced yet. We are still waiting for them. And the good gifts that we do have in this life are but a foretaste of the better gifts that are to come. It's like the manna in the desert. The manna in the desert taught Israel about something greater. The man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And the land they were going into, the land of Canaan, is also a picture of something greater. It is a picture of the new creation. That new creation that God has promised to all of his believing children. And in the same way, every good blessing that we experience in this fallen creation is but a foretaste of the blessing of heaven, when we will be satisfied with every good thing. And so, uh, that satisfied and content feeling you get when your belly is full on Thanksgiving, no, I, I don't mean the uncomfortable feeling you get when you eat twice as much, twice as much as you should and you wish you would have worn sweatpants, but that satisfied feeling, when you eat the right amounts, and your belly says to your brain, Relax, we have enough nutrients for a while. That is just a foretaste of heaven. 
then God our Father will satisfy our bodies and souls with everything we need. When there will be no more hunger, no more want, no more longing, no more death, and no more spending holidays alone. So when you give thanks, remember, especially, God's greatest gift, his Son, Jesus Christ. We do give thanks for the fleeting treasures of this life, for they are a gift from God. And we give thanks even for the fleeting pains of this life, for they remind us to look for something greater. And we give thanks for the intense pain that Jesus endured, for his suffering secures our eternal treasure. God disciplines his children so that we might learn his goodness, but he does not punish his children. Because he punished his only son, that was he. And just as God raised him from the dead, so he will also raise us from the dead, that we might experience his perfect and eternal treasures. So we bless the Lord, our God, for all the good he has given to us. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.